want you to turn with me to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. I've been known at times to be blunt. I like to just refer to it as clear. And the title today kind of reflects that. The way of God is a better way. The way of God is a better way. As we are here in Romans chapter 8, you know, we have covered a lot of ground so far in our study in Romans. We've talked about the lostness of man, the provision of God and salvation. We've covered the gospel in detail, what makes it up, why we needed a savior, how God provided one. Jesus made the propitiation, the satisfactory payment for all of our sins. And we see that this truth of salvation by grace goes all the way back to the beginning of the Bible. It was not something new with the church age. It goes all the way back. There's only one gospel. It's always been the same. We're sinners in need of a savior. God sent the savior. His name is Jesus. He paid our sin debt that separated us from God. He rose from the grave. And if you trust in him, you become a child of God and you're saved forever. Isn't that great news? That is great, great news. And that's really the entire story of the Bible from Genesis to Revelation. God created everything. It was good. Man messed it up. It wasn't good. Jesus came and he can make it good again for you. And ultimately one day everything will be perfect once again. Now, when we understand that we are lost as human beings, and then we trust in Jesus Christ as our Savior, he saves us eternally. There is no such thing as temporary life, okay? There is no such thing as, well, you can get saved and you can lose it. If you can lose what you have, you don't have the real deal, all right? We are given everlasting life when we believe or trust in Jesus Christ as Savior. Our sins are forgiven. We have a new nature. The very Holy Spirit of God comes to live within us inside of our bodies. And that is just the beginning of what God has for us. We are new creatures in Christ. And what the Lord wants, for those of us who have trusted Christ, the Lord wants what we are inside to translate into our everyday living, all right? This is the way God has designed it. Here's the difference between Christianity and religion. Religion says, do good works and you'll get to heaven. You'll be rewarded with heaven. Christianity says, no, 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 no. Salvation, heaven's a gift bought and paid for through the blood of Christ. You put your faith in Christ and then out of gratefulness for what he's done for you, now live a life that is a good life of good works and a godly life. You might say, well, aren't they the same? No, they're not the same at all. You might say, well, they both contain faith in there and then good works, so what's the difference? Well, the difference is this, friends. It's the object of your faith. If you put your faith in yourself thinking you're going to get yourself to heaven, you're saying that you are your savior. God made it very clear, even back in the Old Testament, in Isaiah, where it says, I, even I am the Lord, Jehovah, and beside me there is no savior. There's only one, and it's Jesus. And so where your faith is, as far as what's going to get you to heaven, is the difference between heaven and hell. It's a difference between heaven and hell. So I urge you to trust in Jesus Christ as your savior. Now, once you've trusted Christ, we come into this great chapter in Romans 8. We won't cover the whole chapter in review, just a couple verses where we've already been. But it says in Romans 8 verse 5, it says, for they that are after the flesh, the old sin nature that we all have, for they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the spirit, the things of the spirit. 
For to be carnally minded, fleshly minded, is death. In other words, if we focus on fulfilling the lusts and desires of our old sin nature, it's death. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Now what a what a contrast that is. Now it is true that these verses are talking about lost people, but it's also true that Christians can decide which way they're going to live their lives. And to be carnally minded, to live after your, for the desires of your old nature, your sin nature, it's going to result in death. It's going to result in destruction. Your life will get wrecked, okay? But to be spiritually minded, look at the difference, but there's that word of contrast, right? Contrary or in contrast to being carnally minded and the result of that, to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Life and peace. Now, isn't it easy? The way of God is a better way. He gives life and peace. Or if you don't want to go that way, well, go ahead. You can have death. You can have destruction. Your life can be a mess. It can continue to be a mess. But God says it doesn't have to be. Jesus came to fix it. Because the carnal mind is enmity, hostility towards God. For it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. They that are in the flesh cannot please God. Now for lost people, those that are in the flesh, that's all you have is the flesh. You don't have a spirit. You can't please God. By the way, that's why your good works can't get you to heaven. Because even if you do all you can, if you're not already saved, friend, if you're doing all you can in the flesh, it says it doesn't please God. So no amount of good works will ever satisfy God, okay? It won't do it. You see, the lost have no spiritual life, they have no new nature, and they have no Holy Spirit. But those of us who are saved have all of those. And that brings us to verse nine. But ye are not in the flesh. He's talking to the believers at Rome, okay? The church at Rome. And when I say the church at Rome, we're not talking about the the Roman Catholic church, We're talking about the true believers in Christ who at the time were in Rome. But ye are not in the flesh, but the spirit in the spirit, if so be that the spirit of God dwells in you. Now, if any man have not the spirit of Christ, he is none of his. Okay? There are some religions that teach today, okay, you put your faith in Christ, you get saved, and then later you get the Holy Spirit. No, friend. No, Listen, if you don't have the Holy Spirit, you're not saved. If you've trusted Christ as Savior, you have the Holy Spirit, okay? You might say, well, I don't, I don't feel him. He's not a feeling. The Holy Spirit is a person. He's a spirit. He's not a feeling. Now, that doesn't mean that we can't be aware of his presence, as we're going to see in the next few verses here. But it, he's not a feeling. He's a fact. When you got saved, the Holy Spirit came to live inside your body, 1 Corinthians 6 19 and 20. And so it says, if, if any man have not the spirit of Christ, he is none of his. And if Christ be in you, notice he's writing to Christians, if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin, rendered inoperative, okay, but the spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken or make alive your mortal bodies 
by his spirit that dwelleth in you. Think of it. Now think, what's he getting at here? Here's, this is amazing. The very one and the very power that raised Jesus from the dead is the power that we as believers in Christ have to live in victory over the flesh. Any Christian who lives in bondage to their sin nature is doing that on purpose. They're doing it by choice. See, the bondage was broken when you got saved. And so for us to go back under the dominion of our old nature is unnecessary. God is giving us a new nature whereby we can live for Christ. And the Holy Spirit empowers us to live that life. We don't have to live in bondage being dominated by the flesh any longer. We can live in the spirit being dominated by the Holy Spirit, by his power. This is the word of God, and this is good news for the Christian. That's why if a Christian remains addicted to whatever, it doesn't need to be that way. God has provided provision for us out of that. Deliverance, I should say, out of that. This is amazing. The resurrection power of Jesus is in every believer. The very power that raised Jesus from the grave is there for us to live our lives for him. This is an amazing truth. So we're going to break this down. The the part of scripture we're covering here in Romans chapter 8. And honestly, there's way too much here in Romans 8 for us to cover in just a message or two. We're going to be at least four messages in this important passage. But let's first look at the present challenge for the Christian life. So what about the here and now? What about the here and now? Well, look at verse 12. Therefore, brethren, notice he's writing to Christians. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors not to the flesh to live after the flesh. In other words, we've got a responsibility, okay? Therefore, brethren, we are debtors not to the flesh to live after the flesh. For if you live after the flesh, ye shall die. But if ye through the spirit do mortify, put to death the deeds of the body, ye shall live, okay? Put them aside, forget about them, put them in the past. Remember, we're crucified with Christ. Now look at the blunt, yes, blunt, clear, straightforward language in verse 13. For if ye live after the flesh, ye shall die. He's talking to Christians. Christian, listen, if you live after the flesh, you'll die. It's gonna wreck you because the wages of sin is still death. We reap what we sow, It's a divine law. For if you live after the flesh, you shall die. This is is clear talk, okay? It's clear and plain. Let me make an application of this. Only a Christian who is also a fool would want to live after the flesh. Think about it. Let that sink in. Only a Christian who is also a fool would want to live in the flesh. Because God says if you live in the flesh, if you live according to your sin nature, it's going to wreck your life. God's saying that to his children. God's saying, listen to me, okay? If you live according to your own sin nature, that the bondage was broken, you don't have to do it any longer. But if you choose to live that way, you're a fool and it's going to wreck your life. And God says, how much better to choose my way because my way is going to give you life and peace. Isn't that just common sense? But you know what, folks? Common sense today is no longer common, okay? 
Like the man who said, well, you know, we need to have horse sense. What is horse sense? Stable thinking. Okay. Let me say again, let every Christian hear this loud and clear. Rebellion towards your heavenly father will kill you. It will kill you. You can't lose your salvation, but you can lose your fellowship, your joy, your vitality, your reward, more about that in a minute, and even your life, even your life. God's way is a better way. Why is it that we even want to entertain the stuff of this world when God provides so much more and so much better? Verse 14. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. For ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but ye have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father, What is he saying there in verse 14? You cannot be led by the Spirit unless you're saved, is what he's getting at. This is one of our great privileges as believers. Now you notice the term here, it says Abba, Father. The word Abba was a very, it's a very intimate word for Father. It's a close word, okay? It is a word used on a very personal level. What is he getting at? This is one of those things about the joys and the privileges of the life we have as Christians now. We can enjoy, think of it, we can enjoy a daily personal relationship with our Heavenly Father who is the creator of the entire world. God created the world. God is all-powerful. God is all-knowing. God is mercy, grace, just holy, and all of that. And you know what, folks, in ourselves, we cannot even approach him. But because we're children of God, we can come boldly to the throne of grace, the Bible says. And we have a special place in the heart of God because we're his children. And he loves us, and he wants us to be coming to him. And he wants us in communication with him. And he wants us to let him speak to us through his word. And he wants us to be speaking to him all day long. That's why the Bible says pray without ceasing. Take advantage, Christian, of this life we have. Enjoy it. Enjoy the privileges of the fruit and the blessings of the fruit of the spirit that God wants to bring into our lives. Imagine... See, can I tell you this, folks? What we're talking about here is foreign to other religions, quote-unquote religions. I hate to use the term, but I'm just comparing. It's foreign to them. Their gods are things like trees and the sun and animals. You know, the the latest thing now is that, and, and this is going on, by the way, in Christian colleges and seminaries where they are going and they are encouraging their students. This is unbelievable. They're encouraging their students to go and to stand and to look at like a forest and the trees and to confess your sins to the trees and tell them how sorry you are for abusing Mother Earth or whatever it is going on. This is weird stuff. Or then you have the false gods, the millions of false gods in Hinduism and all these others, and, and, and these religions who they take their young, and yes, it's even going on still today, and sacrificing their children to the crocodile gods and, 
and in all these things. These are the, the religions of the world. You might say, we're more sophisticated than that. Are we? Are we? The leading cause of death last year in the world? The leading cause more than any other was abortion. Abortion. Sacrificing babies. You might say, well, they're not, they're not sacrificing to a false god. Yes, they are. It's the God of self. It's idolatry. It's a false God. Now there's forgiveness. Again, there's forgiveness. But we want to remember these things. Again, getting back to the point, we can, have, we can enjoy a daily personal relationship with our Father. Why not? Why not? Take the world, but give me Jesus. Verse 16, the spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. Now, how is that done, by the way? This is done primarily through the scriptures. For the believer, there should be a spiritual awareness of the the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives. There should be, but again, it's not a feeling, it's an awareness. You might say, well, what what if I'm not feeling an awareness? Now, I'm not trying to be funny. I get emails about these kind of things, and and there are people who are agonizing over these issues. There should be a spiritual awareness of the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives. This begins at salvation, and, and we can become more and more aware of his presence in our lives as we walk with him. We just know, okay? However, let me say this. For those who struggle with this issue, A Christian that lives a carnal life can become callous, insensitive, numb to the Holy Spirit who is in them. And yes, as a matter of fact, Peter talked about it. He didn't spend a lot of time on it, but in 2 Peter chapter 1, he talks about believers who who, uh, go on a path contrary to the word of God, and it says this, they have forgotten that they were purged from their old sins. People who are saved get so far out of fellowship with God and so far away from God that it all becomes cloudy whether they're even saved or not. It's one of the causes why people doubt their salvation. By the way, that's a whole message in itself. But a Christian that lives a carnal life can become callous to the, his awareness of the presence of the Holy Spirit in his life. Am I really saved? Well, friend, if you, if you ever trusted Jesus Christ to get you to heaven, you're saved. Whether you feel it or not, that's not the issue. The issue is, did you trust in him? Well, yeah, I did that. Then you're saved. Here's what I encourage you to do. Quit worrying about it. Instead, walk with Jesus every day. Walk with the Lord through the pages of scripture, through prayer, okay? Being obedient to him as a believer, not to get to heaven, but because you are, and you will find that God will revive you as a person, and he'll become more real to you. He has not moved. He has not moved. We're the ones who move. Verse 17. And if children, well, let me read it with verse 16. The spirit itself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. Again, primarily through the pages of scripture, this is done. Verse 17, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God. That doesn't mean a mistake, by the way. You're inheriting from God. Okay, you're an heir. You have children and they inherit from you. 
Now, by the way, the idea of inheritance isn't always unconditional. You know, uh, uh, some kids think, well, you know, I will, I'll treat my parents like slop. I'll be disrespectful and all that. And then when they die, I'm going to get their stuff anyway because I'm their kid. Well, I got news for you, friend. They can write you out of their will. Did you know that? You can end up with nothing. One man, he had terrible children. They, had, they were terrible children, and as they got older, they got worse and worse, or as some would say, worser and worser. And then he died, and they were all you know, ready to go. They were excited about this. He was a wealthy man and went to the reading of the will. And he says, being of sound mind, I spent every dime that I had. <laughs> they were shocked. But he could do that. However, here's the truth with God. For his children, there are certain things that just because of the grace of God, we are all going to get certain things from God simply because we are his heirs. We are his children. And he has promised certain things that are all because of the gift of salvation, all right, that we will get. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, if so be that we suffer with him, that we may also uh, be glorified together. For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that shall be revealed in us. Two important truths to distinguish here. You need to hear this today. A lot of confusion on this issue. The first is this. Every believer is an heir of God and joint heir with Christ in a positional sense. In other words, in light of eternity, every Christian is an heir of God, or every believer is an heir of God and a joint heir with Christ in a positional sense. We have many benefits, okay? Read Ephesians, if you, chapters one through three. Tons and tons of benefits are found in Ephesians chapters one through three. And it's really all through the word of God. There are lots of benefits to that. But with that in mind, in other words, so all of us as saved people are gonna inherit certain things, One, by the way, is a place in heaven to an inheritance incorruptible, undefiled, and that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed last time. But secondly, there is also the aspect of rewards for faithful living. Now, you don't hear a lot about this today, but it needs to be talked about. There are different levels of reward given in heaven and in the future kingdom of Jesus Christ, the millennial reign of Christ. There are different levels of rewards given, and they're based on faithfulness to Christ in this life. Faithfulness to Christ. Being saved is one thing. Being faithful is another. Being saved, yes, certain benefits we will inherit because we're children of God. However, there are more things God wants us to inherit. They're not based on, though, the gift of salvation. They're based on faithful service to the Lord. Faithful service to the Lord. Now, the fact of suffering through persecution in verses 17 through 18 play a part in this. I know some people that will read verse um, 17, and they'll say, well, heirs of God and join heirs with Christ, if so be that we suffer with him, that we also may be glorified together. For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be revealed, and so forth. And people say, well, every Christian suffers, not for their faith, 
not for their faith. There's a lot of Christians who don't suffer because they're secret service Christians. They're undercover. They never open their mouth. They never talk about their faith. They're saved, but they live like they're lost. Think of Lot as an example in the Old Testament. We find out in the New Testament that he was a saved man. It says he was just or he was righteous. Now, we would know that by the way he lived his life, would we? See, a Christian, it's, the Bible says, they that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. Suffer persecution. Only the faithful Christian suffers persecution. And God says, if you suffer for being a Christian, there's going to be special reward for you. Place in heaven no matter what because you put your faith in Christ. But whether you're rewarded or not has to do with how you live your life. You might say, well, I thought everybody gets everything the same when they get to heaven. No. No, they don't. There are certain wonderful benefits everybody gets, yes. But as far as getting everything God wants us to have, and by the way, that's the key. It isn't everything I want to have. It's everything God wants me to have. See, he's the one who came up with this whole concept of reward. I know there are Christians who say, well, you know, that idea of reward, I'm not interested in that. Here's what they say. Get this now. Shows you they're about this deep. They're about this. No. They're about that deep. They'll say this. Well, that whole idea of rewards, that's carnal motivation anyway. Oh, hmm. God's the one who came up with it. He didn't have to do it that way. Wait a minute. If that's a carnal motivation, you're telling me that God's carnal. Hmm, that doesn't fly. No, friends, a whole idea of reward. And by the way, you read the Gospels and it's very clear. Jesus talked a lot about the price of discipleship and then the reward that comes to the faithful disciple. He wasn't talking about salvation. He was talking about life once you're saved and living a godly, dedicated life. The fact of suffering through persecution, verses 17 and 18, play a part in this issue of reward, okay? Suffering for Christ, being persecuted for Christ. There's reward that can be gained for them. By the way, there's many rewards for many reasons in scripture. As a matter of fact, if you want to have a little bit more detail on this issue of motivations, I did a series several years ago, uh, Motivations of the Christian Life, and I would highly recommend that you listen to those. Those are online. I believe there's seven. There could be more. There could be less could consolidate a couple of them, but I I gave it as seven motivations of the Christian life. I heard a guy say once, well, you know, if, if we're not just motivated by the fact that God is gracious towards us, anything else is a carnal motivation. That is just not true. That is just not true. Anyways, I'm getting off point. Hold your place and look at this with me. Look at Colossians chapter three. Let me uh, prove my point here in just one of many scriptures I could share with you. Colossians chapter 3. Boy, you know, sometimes I wish, now don't get me wrong by this statement, sometimes I wish we didn't live in America. You might say, what in the world? Have you flipped too much sun last week? Here's what I'm saying. You know what, friends? You go overseas to church, some of these third world countries and all, where the believers can get together. The idea of a clock is non-existent. As a matter of fact, they're upset if you don't go for two hours. They're upset. Well, you do that in America, you won't have hardly anybody coming to church. Why? Because we're babies. That's why. We're babies. I would love to just expand this and just give you scripture after scripture after scripture, but we don't do that. 
Come back. We'll give you more next week. Colossians 3.23, and whatsoever you do, ye, talking to the church at Colossae, and whatsoever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not unto men. Watch this. Knowing that of the Lord you shall receive the reward of the inheritance. The reward of the inheritance. You might say, well, I thought the inheritance is a gift through faith in Christ. Yes, it is a gift, but this is talking about the reward inheritance. It's something different on top of the gift of salvation. Knowing that of the Lord you shall receive the reward of the inheritance, for ye serve the Lord Christ. This is a tremendous truth for the children of God. As we live for the Lord and suffer persecution and hardship, it is great to know that we have great reward and blessing awaiting us in heaven. We've been faithful to the Lord. God says, those of you who've been faithful, you're gathering up wages, payment. God's going to reward us according to our works. It will be worth it all when we see Jesus. Pay the price now, Christian. Here's the truth of it. As we as believers today, as we live for Christ, we will have life and peace now, according to Romans 8. The fruit of the Spirit is part of that. And then when we get to heaven, there's going to be great reward at the judgment seat of Christ. And that also spills over into the millennial kingdom. Places of position and authority in the kingdom. It's all in the scripture. But you know what? Christians who live for the flesh now, They're robbing themselves now and they're robbing themselves at the judgment seat of Christ simply because they want to fulfill the lusts of the flesh down here. Oh, make no mistake about it. If you're saved, you can try to live that way. And by the way, God does chasten as well. But you know, there's some Christians who just won't give in. They love the flesh. Look with me to 2 Timothy chapter 2. I could spend a whole lot more time on this passage, but we won't. We'll just summarize it. I think the last time I preached on this, I think I entitled it Four of the Biggest Ifs in Scripture. Something like that. 2 Timothy chapter 2. Look at how the Word of God distinguishes things here. Okay? It says in verse 11, now remember, Paul is talking to Timothy, his disciple. He was a young pastor who was fearful because of the persecution and so forth he was experiencing. And it says in 2 Timothy 2.11, it is a faithful saying, for if we be dead with him, if you're saved, if you trusted Christ, you're crucified with him. For if we be dead with him, we shall also live with him. That's salvation. That's the first if. If we suffer, the word uh, suffer here is persevere, persevere, okay, as a believer. If we suffer, we shall also reign with him. Do you see? Reigning with Christ is contingent on suffering with Christ. Persevering for Christ. It's talking about a faithful life. If we suffer, we shall also reign with him. If we deny him, he will deny us. Wait a minute. You know, people read that and a lot of your study Bibles will say, well, that means a person was never saved. No, the denial here in the context is not you're saying you don't believe Jesus is your savior. You're denying him first place and honor in your life. What is he going to deny you? A position and honor in his kingdom. If we deny him his proper place in our lives, he's going to deny us 
places of honor in the kingdom. And then you hear people say all the time, well, you know, a person is saved as long as they keep believing. No, you're saved as long as you believed, as long as you trusted Christ, because he does the saving and the keeping, friend. It's not based on us continuing in faith. That's Arminian, that's false. If we believe not, yet he abideth faithful. He cannot deny himself. Jesus said, he that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me hath everlasting life and shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death unto life. He promises we're saved if we've trusted Christ and we're saved forever because he gave us everlasting life. And so even if you ended up, now I don't know why you would, but even if you ended up not believing anymore, yet he abides faithful. See, we may not, but he does. He cannot deny himself. Now, if we are faithful, we're going to be rewarded for our faithful living. I know there are people who look at verse 13 and they'll say, well, if it says if we believe not, it means if we are without faith. In other words, as we live as Christians. Well, that could be an application, but it's true nonetheless that once you're saved, you're saved forever. See, there are people that get bitter towards God, Christians who get bitter towards God, and they, they walk away. Now, I don't get a kick out of this, but I think it's interesting because you can see how their thinking has already been corrupted as a believer, how they become, their bitterness has poisoned them. And they say this, okay, well, you know what God did this to me? He took away a loved one or a child or this thing or that thing. And you know what? I'm through with God. I don't believe in him anymore. And they, they walk away. Well, you can walk away, but guess what? The Holy Spirit's walking away inside of you. He's not going anywhere if you're saved. He goes with you. Friend, the best thing to do is this. God is God and I am not, and I don't understand everything in life, and I'm just going to, like Job said, though he slay me, I will trust in him. That's the way we have to think. It's the way we should think. You notice then in verses uh, 2 Timothy 2, 11 through 13, not all believers are willing to suffer for Christ and therefore not all believers will receive the same reward inheritance. But all believers will inherit and in fact already have inherited everlasting life as a gift because when you get saved, you have a place reserved for you. Now, this is the way God wants us to live as believers, Okay? This is the way he wants us to live, and the way of God is a better way. But it doesn't stop there. We have the second part here in verses 19 through 25, the joyful anticipation of eternity with Christ. And by the way, this is a motivating factor to know it's going to be worth it, to know this life is not all there is. And yes, God calls us as believers today to forsake the things of this world, the sin, the corruption, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, to not live for that stuff, okay? Is today Super Bowl Sunday? All right, I'm gonna be blunt. You need to be here in church tonight. Listen, if you're home watching the Super Bowl instead of being in church, you're choosing the, the bad way. You're choosing a way that is less than what God wants. We're coming together tonight to remember what Christ has done for us. Instead, you're going to go home and watch men chase a dead pigskin up and down the field while all the junk and the carnality and the filth 
in the commercials and the halftime show and everything else that goes along with that, that is not fitting, okay? When you have such an alternative in being able to fellowship with the saints of God, you know what? If you, if you come here and you come with the right motivation because you love the Lord and you want to be a blessing to him and choose him over stuff of this world, even that you'll be rewarded for that at the judgment seat of Christ because you made the right choice, Okay? You don't have to, but I really recommend that you be here. I really do. Now, I know some can't because of health, and, and, and I get that, and God does too. Okay, I'm not going to follow up on this. I'm just saying, think about it. Think about it. And I say, well, you shouldn't say such strong things. I'm going to say it, and I will keep saying it, friend, because here's what I want. I want all of us to have all the blessing and joy God wants us to have. So somebody's got to challenge us on this. So let's secondly look at the joyful anticipation of eternity with Christ. Verse 19, these will go quickly. For the earnest expectation of the creature waiteth for the manifestation of the sons of God. You see, when, when Adam and Eve sinned, a curse came upon the whole earth and the whole earth is reeling and in pain to this day because of sin in the world. For the creature was made subject to vanity, not willingly, but by reason of him who hath subjected the same in hope. Because the creature itself also shall be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation groaneth and travaileth in pain together until now. And not only they, but ourselves also, which have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves grown within ourselves, waiting for the adoption to wit, the redemption of our body. In other words, we, are, we have a joyful anticipation of eternity with Christ. We're looking for the rapture to take place, amen? Are you looking for it? We need to be looking for it. Are you excited to see Jesus? If not, the world's got a grip on you. For we are saved by hope. But hope that is seen is not hope, for what a man seeth, why doth he get hope for? Hope here is joyful anticipation, okay? This would go a long way with the promise of God we have just covered, that we will be free one day from the bondage of the curse of the creation that is around us. We were in Cape Coral last week, as I mentioned, visiting family. There's a lot of senior citizens in Cape Coral. A lot of senior citizens. Not everybody, but there's a lot of them down there. It's a retirement area, beautiful area. And you know what? It's the truth of it. The older you get, the more goes wrong. We're wearing out, right? Not us, but some people are. No. You wear out and you look for it. Oh, Lord, this would be great just to take us out. As one pastor I heard this last year, it was such a blessing. He said this, I thought it was like one of those special moments. He said, the rapture, for the believer, the rapture solves everything. Amen. Boy, that sounds good to me. That sounds good to me. For if we hope for that we see not, then do we with patience and perseverance wait for it. In other words, God wants us to be joyfully anticipating his coming back, and that's a motivating factor that delivers our lives from destruction. That's what it means there, which says we are saved by hope. It's not talking about, oh, I hope I go to heaven, and therefore I'll get there because I'm hoping. No, that's a certainty. This hope has to do with our lives being delivered. 
We should be patiently waiting for the Lord to deliver us. This is not some passive and inactive lifestyle, but faithfully serving the Lord, knowing that God's word is true and that we only have so much time left to make it worthwhile, to make it count, friend. Okay, I think of, uh, I don't know how much time was invested, Bonnie, in your mom writing that hymn. I don't know how much time was invested in that, but I know this. Weren't you blessed by that today? You know, there's reward for that for her. She invested the time, the thought, the prayer, everything, the care that went into constructing that and the words and everything, and we can sing it and be blessed by it today. Yes, that's, a, that's something that is going to earn reward at the judgment seat of Christ. God's calling us all to do that, to invest our lives and to serve him. I have one more verse to share, but before I do, listen to these words. It's from a hymn, wonderful hymn. In light of the message today, when all my labors and trials are o'er, and I am safe on that beautiful shore, just to be near the dear Lord I adore will through the ages be glory for me. When by the gift of his infinite grace, I am accorded in heaven a place. Just to be there and to look on his face will through the ages be glory for me. Friends will be there that I have loved long ago. Joy like a river around me will flow Yet just a smile from my Savior, I know, will through the ages be glory for me. Oh, that will be glory for me, glory for me, glory for me, when by his grace I shall look on his face. That will be glory, be glory for me. We have so much to look forward to as believers, okay? Turn with me lastly today, 1 John chapter 5. Friend, if you happen to be here today and you're not sure what this is all about, let me just put it to you very simply. God wants you to be his child. God loves you infinitely. But the only way you can be his child, you're not a child by creation. You're a child by faith, in Jesus Christ. You don't go to heaven simply because you do your best. You can't get to heaven by your good works. Those that are in the flesh cannot please God. But God says this, he loves you and he loves you so much he sent his son to die in your place and to pay for the very thing that blocks you, hinders you from going to heaven. It's sin. Look up here. Look up here. This was you and me and my wallet represents our sin. We're all sinners according to scripture. Sin separates us from God. You cannot get to heaven with even one sin. Well, that disqualifies every one of us. God says it has to be paid for, and if we do it, we will suffer forever in hell if we have to pay for our own sin. We'll be separated from God for all eternity. Again, heaven's a perfect place. To get there, you have to be sinless. None of us are. That's why your good works can't save you, because you gotta be perfect. None of us are perfect, therefore we're disqualified. 
God loves us, hates our sin, does not want us to be separated from him. Therefore, what he did, he is the very one who brought the solution. He sent God the Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, into the world. And when Jesus came, he died on the cross, and my sin and your sin, he paid for it, so you don't have to. He did it, so you don't have to. He did it all, so you don't have to. He took that sin upon himself and he made the complete payment when he died on the cross and he rose from the grave. And he says this in his word, that if you will believe, put your faith in him that he made that payment for you, he will give you that moment, everlasting life. And you can know you're going to heaven because God can't lie. He promises it. Look at the verse up here. Look at it, 1 John 5, 13. These things have I written unto you that believe you trust in Christ, that believe on the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life and that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. You can believe because God can't lie and he says you can know and you can rest on that. You can rest on that, that you're going to heaven because you trusted in Jesus Christ. And God says if you do, you can know you're going to heaven. So I urge you today, put your faith in Jesus Christ as your Savior. You can't save yourself. He does the saving, he does the keeping, and it's good forever. Well, friends, that concludes this edition of Voice of Assurance. Thanks so much for listening. And would you share this ministry with a friend? To contact us or learn more about our ministry, please visit www.northlandchurch.com. Your prayers and support for this ministry are greatly appreciated. Thank you so much, and God bless you.